no agreement exists that makes Black Manta a slave. You know why they gave him that line, and he killed it on the delivery. Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Champs. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. This season, we're getting whelmed for DC's greatest sidekicks and covering every episode of Young Justice on... Yeah, another DC animated podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year... The season finale of the last season of Captain Planet aired. And for the people who are not familiar, this show is about a bunch of kids trying to prevent environmental disasters from breaking out across the world with their special powers while the adults sat around and mostly did nothing. (laughs) This is, uh, they definitely did not show up, though. Um, What was it? During the week of June 9th in (laughs) in New York? (laughs) Uh, Look, if Captain America would still be, <laughs> if Captain Planet was still on the air, it would have never happened. <laughs> it would have never happened. Thank you. We would not be in like the post-apocalyptic world that happened in June 9th in New York City. That was bad. <laughs> I'm still recovering. Captain Planet, <laughs> where are you? You are all entitled for compensation, all right? Talk to your, talk to your local lawyer. <laughs> Okay. I also just had a quick flashback. I just realized I know all the lyrics to the Captain Planet theme song. And the thing that stuck in my head is it's going to take pollution down to zero. And we didn't let him. We didn't let him. See what happens. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of season finales of big shows that have a really big impact on our lives and the, and, and the world. Today, we are talking about the season, might also even call it the series finale of Young Justice. It's first series finale. (laughs) One of three. (laughs) This series heard no bell. It kept coming back up, but this was the toughest loss of all. This is taking place during our episodes 19 and 20 of the season. So this is what wrapped it up. This is where everybody got the news that um, Cartoon Network has decided to cancel Young Justice, because, you know, they didn't tell us why, but later on, we did find out there are several things, such as things are happening behind the scenes. Um, You know, it was just a shift in what their focus was. I think my favorite rumor of all, which actually might be true, is that Young Justice got canceled because Teen Titans Go was the favorite. Yeah, that's one of that's one of the rumors. And another strong rumor that I hate if this is true is that Young Justice was not selling enough toys and they also attributed it because it was marketed towards uh, girls. And there was a large amount of girl audience that responded. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, the girls are not buying the toys. Which I'm like, if you're a, a TV executive blaming young girls for not buying toys as a reason you can't get your show together, d- go touch some grass, man. Like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> oh, man. Well, before we keep on trying to fight the studio execs even more... Um, <laughs> We stand with the writers. Uh, <laughs> yes. We are, uh, the timeline for these two episodes, Summit and Endgame, uh, is between June 19th to July 5th. Uh, these two episodes are probably two of the most watched animated episodes of time. 
And this is because there were so many like Uno reverse card plays that happened <laughs> during just Summit alone. Um, that because of the fact that we had so many twists and turns and it is the season finale, I felt it was appropriate to call this one the curveball closer. Oh, yes. Yes. Just like our uh, our baseball guy, Jonathan Kent, would appreciate that. <laughs> uh, so the cast list is pretty much the same, but I will just give a shout out to the team in general as we have Jesse McCartney as Nightwing. We have Jason Spizak as uh, Kid Flash, Stephanie Lamellon as uh, Artemis or Tigress that she's been playing around with. We also got Carrie Payton as uh, Aqualad. We have Danica McKellar as Miss Martian. And just some special shout outs to some characters who I thought just did such a great job in some of their scenes. Oded Fair as Raish or Raz al Ghul, mm. as well as Fred Tadeskior, who is known throughout basically all voiceover work animation. He is Ubu. <laughs> We will talk about Ubu because Ubu might be a G. <laughs> <laughs> Almost as big of a G as Randall Savage. <laughs> I've right. said Randall Savage. <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. <laughs> he changed his name, his government name. The shadows. <laughs> I'm starting to rumor that his name was Randall Savage, but he changed it to Vandal. <laughs> oh and speaking of vandal savage though we do also have vandal savage who is being voiced by the uh the late miguel ferrer um right. once again from blank check all right so now that our um our cast list is set we're gonna zeta tube over to the location of santa prisca because we are starting the summit now first just gotta say from the outset was bane here I didn't no. see him. Okay, so they pulled up in Bane's private <laughs> island without him. They didn't invite him to the chat. <laughs> the He's probably is- still on the island, just like eating dinner. He's like, "Why is there so? What is that noise?" <laughs> he walks in. He's like, "Oh, never mind." Um, <laughs> so I, I do appreciate them. The light already showing. They have no dis. They have no regard for their friends because they didn't call Bane for their meeting with the Reach. And all the heavy hitters are here. Black Beetle, all the, the ambassador, the scientist, and for the light, Vandal Savage, Deathstrokes, you know things are real. We have uh, Black Manta, Raish, Tigress, and Calder. All of them are here and ready to have a meeting about what's been going on lately. Because with the blue and green beetles freed from reach control, the reach is upset. And obviously the light did not like what the reach had planned for them with the war world. So both sides are here to meet and squash things out. And I also like how he immediately goes mask off because everybody's masks have to come off for this secret meeting. And now they're going to talk about some damage control. They're just trying to be diplomatic about this. Mm-hmm. It is a tough scene, especially because we immediately turn into that Black Beetle is definitely kind of, I guess it's like pulling, um, he's just being insubordinate now. It's like, I don't know what the ranking is in terms of the reach levels, but it definitely feels that like Black Beetle was just like an enforcer for the reach. But now he's just like, nah, like 
the ambassador, he's been messing up left and right. The scientists is agreeing with Black Beetle now. So it's low-key happening where it's like a bit of a coup that's happening. But at the same time, Black Beetle is very upset with Black Manta over everything that's been happening um, because he's just, there's just so much that happened in the previous scene in which it's just like, um, once again, both Beatles are free from their control. So Black Manta wants to assure them that like, hey, this was not on us. This is all y'all basically messing up here and there. And when Calder tries to speak up, this is when Black Beetle states that like, I'm not going to listen to you're um, not going to listen to you, especially because you have no power here. You have nothing here. You're one of the other. You were part of the team originally. And Black Manta just says, hold up. What we not going to do is talk about my boy in front of me like this. So, again, a nice little pairing of just like the fatherly instinct that Black Manta has as we see that no matter where we go, if a father's rep is disrespected, it will be <laughs> answered. <laughs> he yeah he is not standing for it and his comp black manta and vandal actually agree they're like look let calder say his piece because he's given so much for the cause and calder makes some good points he's like if the reach had been honest about their intentions with black and green and about when they had first invaded earth we could have prepared for the temple. We could have had security around the temple. The reason why we let them in is because we had no idea what they were even doing in Bialia. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, as we know, the light let them go in very easily. Queen Bee just was like, come right on in. So we know they're lying, but we also know the Reach is lying. So it's it's fun to see both sides try to justify their lies. And Black is, he accepts these facts, but still says, look, at the end of the day, let me just kill blue and green because they're going to be no use to us in our com our conquest. And this is where the real measuring starts because the reach is saying, uh, you know that you the light serves as our the pleasure of the reach. Like the earth is ours and Black Manta returns with one of the best lines in this where he goes no agreement exists that makes Black Manta a slave. You know why they gave him that line, and he killed it on the delivery. He did. He did. I felt that. We all rise up with Black Manta right now. <laughs> of course, though, Black Beetle did not get the memo. Um, they are almost said, even though this Black is his name. <laughs> Unfortunately, Black Beetle does not get this memo. So he decides to retaliate. And now we're getting to a point where there's a bit of a standoff as uh, a fight ensues where Black Beetle does attack Black Manta. This forces the enforcers of the light, by which we mean Deathstroke and Artemis, who is actually pretending to be Tigress here, uh, to attack Black Beetle. And we're able to get some stop in the fight. Unfortunately, though, Deathstroke and Tigress both take a hit. Um, this is when Tigress actually jumps in front of Rachel Ghoul, who's in the pathway of the of Black Beetle's attack, to take the hit on fully, to which she says that she's sorry for stepping in front of the Great One. And he responds in kind of just saying, It's okay, you are doing some great work here. I mean, I don't blame Rachel Ghoul for being thankful for someone stepping in to save his life. But as he says this, 
he takes a closer look at her and notices something off about her. Yes, he spots the necklace slightly slipping. And it's nice because she's been playing with the necklace throughout the meeting. Mm-hmm. And upon seeing it, he does get a little suspicious. He, it, he gets the sense that he's seen that somewhere before. And as they're going out, as the light in the reach stop per, uh, temporarily stopped the fight, they're still, uh, Rache is still distracted to the point where he goes over to um, Art- Artemis, rips off the necklace, and exposes her as Artemis for real. And upon this reveal, things go south immediately. Black Beetle wants to kill her for the deception because they realize if she's fake, then Calder, who killed her, is also fake. So before he can make a move, Destro goes, we take care of our own here and assassinates Calder and Artemis with a couple gunshots because this man is cold as steel. Mm-hmm. But not without Calder leaving behind a little going away present. Well, before we get into that going away present, I do have to just make this comment. I just thought it was very funny that Ray snatched that necklace like he was Debo. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. He snatched it with authority. Like, I have never seen someone get robbed that quickly. (laughs) But we were not robbed of further entertainment because, as you mentioned, Calder did... um, did drop this video where as soon as it looked like he was passing away, his father even runs up to console him. Because again, this is now the second time in which Black Manta <laughs> is dealing with the fact that he's seen his son almost die before his eyes. And it's this holographic video that comes up where Calder reveals everything. He reveals how the um that the light definitely knew exactly about the uh about the Bialian uh temple and that's why they let the league go in the team go in to try to save blue and green beetles um the other thing was that like the reach was playing all along with the fact of like how many ships they had um what they were actually putting into the reach soda as a way to take over earth in the long game but what they didn't know was that the light has been adding in an additive to cancel out the Reach's attempts to make uh, the people of Earth servile, which is a SAT word that I learned today. So, uh, <laughs> y'all, it's education to cartoons. Um, so it is wild to see. And again, these, there's so many Uno reverse cards being playing here because the more that Calder reveals, the more that the Light and the Reach are just stating that, like, okay, we truly can't be friends because it also gets revealed that um that the light the reason why that vandal savage had taken over the minds of the league was to try and push the light to and earth to be a top like a top leader within the galactic empire of society in the galaxy or something they basically just wanted to make earth be more powerful but they realized that they played it wrong because the Reach was the one that answered their call. So now they've been playing the long game of stopping the Reach from succeeding while the Reach has been trying to, again, show that they are that the Light is just working at the pleasure of the Reach. So all of this to say that Calder is killing it here, 
as he has been killed. <laughs> and we are just left here wondering what's going to happen next because we already saw what happened between Black Beetle and Black Manta, but now everybody's at war. Vandal Savage adds the plan, adds the commentary, and Death Calder did more damage to my plans than any living person did in 50,000 years. He is twisted <laughs> right now about it. You know, Calder was like probably walking through kind of like that. I can't remember what meme it is, but the coach is walking through in the basketball locker room. It's just like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's about to get even more angry because Artemis and Calder immediately stand up and it's revealed that Deathstroke isn't Deathstroke. It's actually McGann shape-shifting in disguise. So kudos to her for behaving like Deathstroke and fighting like Deathstroke in that previous battle. And not only that, but the team is on call. So we see several young heroes show up in the cave and ninjas that Vandal Savage has, uh, probably Roz as well, come down from the roof. And, you know, Vandal's like, I've had my fill of your interference. Do not expect to survive. But guess what? Some of the ninjas are also the team members. So again, it's Uno Reverse. Uno Reverse, draw four. Uno Reverse, draw 18. <laughs> it, it keeps going back and forth. And now the fight is really going to start in earnest. I do want to mention the quick uh, <laughs> the quick aside of Superboy is an issue, but we'll kill you later after the rest of these children are bleeding on the ground. Damn, Vandal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, these villains be cutthroat. Ugh. Um, but in response to that, actually, Wally does show up and says, Hey, Vandal, did you miss me? Is a nice little callback to season one where the two of them fought it out in the snow. And I, I don't know if we ever actually called that fight. Did, did we decide who won that, actually? Uh, no, no, all I right, it's kind of undecided. Yeah, so we're gonna keep on going to see who wins it in this time around. Um, so now that the uh, we have again, this is the, the League of Shadows, I believe, these, those are the ninjas who popped up. They appear, they're fighting against all the team. They are losing left and right. We do see that um, <laughs> we do see some other members of the, the league are also Lagoon Boy and Beast Boy who are just taking down everybody. Um, the craziest thing that does happen, though, is that Raish is just trying to call for some just to stoppage of the fight or even to just say, like, we're we have to get along with the meeting. We have to just find a way to escape. But in that moment, Black Beetle runs up and stabs um, Rachel Ghoul through the back. And this leads Ubu, the one of um, Rachel Ghoul's like top bodyguards. He just frantically just uh, calls out for his master. This my man just pushes everybody away. And much like Roy did during that episode, practice some self-preservation um, as he grabs his master and takes the takes his um what was that? I think it was like one of those like grappling guns, grappling rope yeah. guns, and escapes the entire place. So I just gotta give Ubu a shout out because my man had one job. Did he succeed fully? No, but he went out with style. So I appreciate that. Yeah, I was like, it's funny them panicking over Roz being stabbed. It's like, bro, you're going to bring him back in like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this battle is so fun because everyone gets a chance to shine. Beast Boy bites a, a French gorilla. Yeah, uh, Impulse <laughs> is showing off his skills. 
he even gets named Kid Flash's successor mm. um, in the middle of all of this. And even, even Guardian doesn't do too bad in this battle. Even Guardian now is not not doing too bad, I guess. But and we Kid Flash and Artemis <laughs> finally get to have a moment after months apart. They get to have some time together. So it's it's really a wonderful reunion. And it comes down to the biggest battle, which is Calder versus Black Manta. And Calder, he even applauds his father. He says, you have gifts, but if you're going to use them on villainy, then I have no choice but to stop you every time. And they launch into an impressive battle of, I want to say fire and water, but technically it's more like lasers, explosions versus water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we already know that because Calder has been working alongside his father now for, I'm assuming, for a good couple of months, uh, this leads into Calder knowing exactly how his father operates. So he's easily able to take down his father through the use of like many of his waterbending tactics. Um, everything is good. Everybody seems to be winning their battles. And this causes for Vandal to release a ring that he had on his finger. And from it, Clarion appears, the uh, Clarion the Witch Boy. So this gives Vandal an opportunity to create a magical gate to use to escape from the battle. And this also, um, Clarion uses Deathstroke's sword. I don't know if this is the real sword or not, but mm -hmm. uses the sword that McGann was using as Deathstroke to turn it into a fire serpent to distract her long enough so that they're able to escape. And this now leaves only the Reach behind. Um, so everybody gets quickly taken down. However, Black Beetle does use this as an opportunity to call everybody cowardly meat <laughs> because he is noticing that everybody is running away. Um, so as the ambassador and the what's it called the um the ambassador and the scientist, scientist I guess yeah yeah are both kind of lashed onto the wall from that staple gun technique that Blue Beetle has. He decides to use a code from the municipal courts of the Reach <laughs> to decide to just say, I'm taking over because the ambassador, you have failed left and right. But he uses his time to unlock the scientist from her captivity and uses his opp opportunity to escape, leaving the ambassador behind, now leaving the ambassador to the uh, behind to, so that they, he's taken in by the team. Yeah, I love that. Just like, uh, you know, international statutes say, Leaving you. Good luck. Bye. <laughs> so now we get to the the cleanup of the battle. And Calder is feeling pretty bad about himself despite all this because he said, you know, we didn't get all of the... We didn't capture everybody, which would have been impossible because y'all didn't have Zatanna and Clarion's right there. So I don't know what y'all were planning to do with him. Yeah, word. <laughs> so uh, he was feeling bad, but his teammates all pitch in and say... Bro, we split the light in half. We captured the leader of the Reach. We are in a good spot. Just enjoy this moment. And there's, and he still carries also conflict about his dad. You know, it's it, even despite him what he said to his father, he still does clearly care for his father enough to look at him with regret that it he had to deceive him for so long. So now we also get a moment where. <laughs> 
Impulse goes, hey, yo, Dick, uh, please don't fake anyone's death for at least another year. <laughs> and we'll have to check the timeline later to see if that holds true. But in any case, things are looking up for the team, which means you know that things are about to get a little bit more challenging <laughs> as we see that Clarion has just broken into a little place called the War World. Yeah, and in the and he drops himself and uh, Vandal right into the middle where the key chamber was. So when they enter the chamber, Black Canary is the first to be alerted to the fact that they have an intruder. So she immediately attacks. At the same time, Black Lightning and Captain Marvel also there. So they try to take them down. Unfortunately, it does seem like uh, they do lose the battle because. As we head on back to the watchtower, where it's I got I just thought it was really weird that the watchtower, the war world, and like I'm that was the earth. We're all just like <laughs> side by side. It was like, how does that not affect any of the of any kind of tides? How did that not affect anything? I don't know. This earth has been through a lot recently. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, back at the Watchtower, Aqualad, who is now back in his uh, original superhero suit, he's being con- congratulated by Aquaman and Red Tornado for the work that's being done. As the um, as Nightwing is also taking this opportunity to kind of return command of the team back to him, even though, which is nice to see, Calder thinks that this is unnecessary. He states that Nightwing has done such great work in everything that's happened, um, but. Nightwing states like I do want this burden off my back. So it's nice to see that this moment from back in season one, where he's just where Calder had to reluctantly take on the the role as team leader, is now at a point where it's just like we can actually interchange this, and there'll be no problem with it whatsoever. Because again, he did it to save Robin from Robin's always being known to lead the junior teams and whatnot. To know that like, hey, this this team doesn't have to have a Batman bat family students be the one to lead it. We can change it back and forth. It's now being growing into like this wonderful moment to see that Nightwing and Calder are friends. And I also think Nightwing was trolling a little bit. He's like, yo, you remember that time I wanted to lead? (laughs) Well, (laughs) right back at you, boy. Uh, But their nice moment is interrupted by the arrival of their teammates being thrown through a boom tube and the war world taking off. But if that wasn't bad enough, we cut to Black Beetle, who says, now that everything went south, it's time to cut and run. And to prevent any evidence reaching intergalactic consoles that the Reach was doing bad things, they're just going to destroy the Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, so because of that, we are now seeing the beginning of the end game of the reach here because they have lost everything. And what a great title, because it's also the title of, you know, award winning film. Um, one that reached like, I think the second, like the second highest grossing film of all time, but it's also the, the name of our season finale here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we, we did it first. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, this finale kicks off with the conclusion of the long running. The superheroes were framed. The heaviest hitters on the Justice League were framed. And now what's the outcome of the trial? And we see that a corrupt judge just throws the book at him. He he offers one last time. He's like, yo, y'all sure y'all don't want to offer anything else? Huh? Huh? Any bribes? Huh? 
But I guess Superman just doesn't do bribes. He does not negotiate with intergalactic terrorists because he <laughs> refuses the bribe and it looks like they're going, they're gone down. And just as McGann arrives with Connor and um, who, who was the jetpack man again? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's Adam Strange. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was actually going to say Rocketeer. It looks just like Rocketeer. <laughs> <laughs> they arrived in just too late, maybe because the jetpack was too slow. <laughs> <laughs> he does not have super speed. So this is a very shocking thing to hear. So um, we cut off now to the Miss Martian, Superboy, Adam Strange, trying to convince them to, to let the Justice League go. But meanwhile, back on the Earth, back in New York City, um, it's turned into a point where Black Beetle, again, has taken charge. So he's just like, I want to get rid of this planet. I want to get rid of any trace that we were here. But the scientist shows that, like, unfortunately, they've already been infiltrated. As we see that Aqualab, Blue Beetle, and Green Beetle have arrived on the Reach ship, leading to a very big battle where they're able to take down mostly every Reach agent that's on there, including the scientists. Um, so now this leads into a battle between Aqualad and Black Beetle, where they're going back and forth. This is like, you know, Calder has been on the wrong side for so long, so he's got some pent-up aggression here. <laughs> Unfortunately, he does lose this battle, which turns into a battle of the big bad Beetleborgs. Yes. I mean, and I do like that. It is very consistent because if Superboy is not taking down Black Beetle, then yeah, Calder's <laughs> not doing it. So during this fight, we see that the Scarabs could, in theory, overwhelm Black Beetle. But Black Beetle has one secret jutsu that he hasn't pulled out. And he's able to instantly destroy a Scarab on the spot. So he kind of does that. <laughs> he just does that to Green Beetle. And Green Beetle only survives because of Martian physiology. Uh, so he then tries this technique on Blue Beetle. And although Blue Beetle is pushed into a corner, he learns that because he has some synchronicity with the Beetle, the Scarab itself, they're able to push together to overcome Black Beetle, reverse his own technique on him, rebounding and destroying the beetle within so this is seen as a huge victory until blue beetle goes oh man what did you do because he realizes that black beetle has set in motion a plan that will destroy the world with a bunch of natural disasters all at the same time and so now this calls for all hands on deck but of course we have to release the hands that have been captured so we're back in this Rimbor courtroom where the tribunal are listening to um, Superboy and Miss Martian speaking about why they should let go of the Justice League. And it's because they have all this evidence. But the thing that is causing the tribunal to not want to let them go is because, again, the Justice League didn't give them mores. Um, we know that as bribes. <laughs> <laughs> So Superboy and Miss Martian realizing this as well, they decide that maybe this is a chance to entice the tribunal to let go of the Justice League and release the information about what was happening on Earth so that 
by seeing this crazy case play out the way that it did, it would entice more planets and more systems to connect with the uh, the, the Galactic Federation that's connected here, that's connected with the tribunal, so that when more crimes come up, they can get more mores. I am mixed about this <laughs> because it, first of all, it's funny. It's funny yeah. and it's exactly how politics would realistically work. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I saw no lie. <laughs> um, but I think because we, it's been such a gap since we've been in this storyline, mm-hmm. uh, and seeing the court in action. I think was it five or six episodes ago, the last time we saw the court in action. Yeah, because that was about episode ten. It was like before the dawn. Yeah, so about halfway through half the halfway through the season. It's been a while. Yeah, so it's it's not clear about the timeline of this court. If they were waiting for something, what do they do outside of persecute superheroes? So I think because there's a little disconnect there, I I did feel like it didn't hit as hard for them to be released because mm-hmm. they're convinced that more bribes are better. But um, it does surface the plot and lets the heroes finally go and get out of here. And while they're finally shaking off those handcuffs of freedom and <laughs> getting lowered, <laughs> raised from the elevator dungeon they were lowered into, um, back on Earth, Luther shows up and he gets, he goes like, guys, I have a contingency for everything. I'm your world's Batman when he's not around. Uh, <laughs> and I have anti-reach software that you can use. And I, I got a plan to and how to implement it. So right before we get into the details, we get a quick exchange with McGann and Connor. They finally get to talk where Connor reveals, oh, uh, I'm not dating Wendy. I'm helping Wendy date Marvin, apparently. Okay, sure. I don't know why. Um, you know what? To each their own. <laughs> yeah, Marvin? Okay. Like, did, we, did we actually ever forgive Marvin for that whole thing that he did on Halloween with the like trying to create the war of the world scenario with that episode of secrets uh the episode that <laughs> I found out recently that some people like <laughs> well here in this court secret is still dragging the series down because that Marvin reveal <laughs> made no sense but in any case now that we've got the the their connections it's time to hear the plan to save the world Yes. So as we as stated in the mission report, there are about 20 um, MFDs, magnetic field disruptors that the reach had placed throughout all around um, the Earth. So it's unsure of what will actually happen. Um, it does feel like this is one of those cases where if you mess around the magnetic field. I feel like the Earth will be pulled apart. Um, but <laughs> mess around apparently- the field and you'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh well, yeah, because uh, there's apparently it might it causes thunder and lightning and a bunch of like natural disasters, as you mentioned. So the plan is to take these devices, this anti-reach software, these like tubes that um Lex Luthor has given the information to Blue Beetle to create the tubes and attach the anti-reach software bubbles which Blue Beetle is creating as Lex Luthor is passing him the code so that he's able to create one by one that way the team will then split into teams that will consist of 20 teams in total so we have reached up to the theta squad apparently <laughs> um 
Oh, actually, I guess it's a nice little thing if like end game is the end and then it's just like the Omega is supposed to be. I don't know. Maybe I don't know if there's Omega squad, but besides that, each team of two is going to go to the different locations. So what happens is one person would distract the two reach um, drones that are floating around the device while the other one will sneak behind the enemy perimeter to attach it, thus ending um, the whole system. So we get some very nice, cute moments like um, we're in Paris where this is the first time that uh, Kid Flash and Artemis have been together since the whole time when they decided to do the uh, the espionage tactic. So Kid Flash is just having, you know, just reveling in the fact that he's able to be with Artemis again, saying that, like, you know, Paris is here. It's wonderful. We should definitely check it out when the world doesn't need to be saved. And Artemis states, hey, you know what? The world's always going to need to be saved as the two of them are able to take down um, their like MFD here. Yeah, and I like uh, also like that the concept that they did rock, paper, scissors for each of mm-hmm. these teams. That's not confirmed in the show, but I think that's what happened of who <laughs> gets to distract and who gets to disarm. So, yeah, we also see, I guess for some reason, Lagoon Boy and Aqualad trying to do something about trust. I get mm-hmm. to resolve their long-running plot line of distrust and mistrust. It's fine, I guess. Uh, cause, But it does give us more Lagoon Boy, which is always a negative. Uh, it, also, it tells us that Calder willingly gave his spot up to Lagoon Boy because uh, he states that, like, well, do you think I would have trusted anybody else to be, to take on my role as a team? And I was like, when I heard that, I was like, please, dear Lord, don't let it be leader because I refuse any more Lagoon Boy. No, Lagoon Boy needs to go back in the ocean. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also get uh, Virgil, the the dream team we've been waiting for for years mm-hmm. and has only happened once, to my knowledge, still mm-hmm. in any medium of Virgil Hawkins and Black Lightning teaming up. And Black Lightning says, yo, if you need a mentor, I got you. It's like, of course, y'all both have lightning powers. Y'all both black. Come on. <laughs> so <laughs> well, so they have a hint at the team up. Uh, there's also, who is on comms? That's what I was going to ask you. Who is on comms during all of this? Who is that? Oh, so <laughs> that is uh, Snapper Carr. We remember him from... The in the first season, he was the teacher slash principal of the school, who then turned into the is the tutor for the team. But we also know that Snapper Card does know everything about the Justice League because he was the one that was a part of the "Make America Normal Again" thing that I was talking mm-hmm. about back a couple episodes. So yeah, uh, that Snapper Car seems like everybody's cool with him now. Um, I guess we needed to get somebody since Mal decided to go into the field. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, we might as well be running the thing, you know? <laughs> right. Exactly. The two of us will have that situation handled. I guarantee you. <laughs> so in the midst of this, we also get a quick shot where Savage shows up with the war world in the middle of the galaxy and says, basically, I'm Vandal Savage. These are reasons A through A about why you don't mess with Earth. And if you have any questions, please talk to my huge battle moon Death Star. All right. See ya. And he dips. So now that the war world is established, he's it's out in space somewhere. 
All the chrysalises seem to be taken care of. But that's when Lex reveals there was one more hidden by the ice. And when they get there, when Flash gets there, he realizes it's already gone to a bad state. It's already too late to stop it. And Earth is doomed to have no season three of Young Justice. <laughs> yeah, because um, as he runs out there, he's joined by uh, Impulse. Um, because again, Impulse does reiterate that you do need a team of two, one to distract, the one to place the device. Fortunately, as you mentioned, it's already the energy is already flowing. So this is when Lex tells Flash that he just needs to run. And Flash is just like, hold up. We don't run from nothing. And <laughs> Luthor tells him, I, I meant just run, not run away. What's wrong with you? We on comms. <laughs> Do you not recognize it if somebody's not whispering it? <laughs> <laughs> so at this moment, Lex reveals that if they run into a the into a vortex in the opposite direction of the energy flow because it's animated to look kind of like a tornado. So very much like in uh, the pilot episode of CW's Flash, basically it's just trying to counteract the wind flow. So he tells Impulse and Flash that as if they keep running the opposite direction, it would dissipate the energy that's being coming off of it. Um, and or rather, sorry, it was their speed was siphon off the energy from their speed trails, which brings in the question like do they have enough energy which is immediately questioned also asked by um by artemis who looks over at wally but wally has already gone through the zeta tube to go and help his um his mentor and his future replacement yes so they get there and as they're running kid flash is able to give them a boost he recognizes he's not as fast as them but he can push them over the limit so right as Kid Flash gets there, he gets there first because there's no Zeta tubes in the area. So everybody else has to come via ship. So he gets there and Blue Beetle does an analysis and says, soon one of them is going to cease with this plan. And by that, he means that because Kid Flash is the slowest, all the energy they're siphoning is running into him and is causing his body to fade away. So he... And Kid Flash soon recognizes this is happening to him, too. He says, man, Artemis is going to kill me, but he has to do this. Otherwise, Artemis and the rest of the Earth will disappear. So in the middle of this crisis, Kid Flash fades away while Flash and Impulse finish and destroy the chrysalis and its energy. And it does bring the season full circle as it started with one of the heroes faking their death and us thinking that a hero had fallen, but now it ends with a hero truly fallen as Kid Flash disappears in the middle of this crisis. And it's hard to see too, because we also see that Barry is, um, uh, he's hearing Kid Flash. He's seeing Kid Flash fade away. He even tries to give them a tap on the shoulder to be like, come on, we're going to push along. But as he tries to like grab him, he does fade away. As the energy dissipates, we see that everybody is rejoicing, except for Kif, uh, except for Flash and Impulse, who are just sitting in the middle, just distraught. And this is where once everybody's saying, "Great job, you did it, we saved the world." The first question that comes out of Artemis's mouth is, "Where's Wally?" To which Flash walks up to her and has to tell her the hard news that he's not here, but he did want you to know that he loved you. 
and she just breaks down, starts crying. Um, Miss Marsh is the she comes up to just go and comfort her because there's nothing that can be done at this point. It's like we lost all trace of Wally during this battle. Um, our next scene goes right into the the leaguers kind of re- returning from Rimbor and they're seeing the destruction of Mount Justice. So they're wondering, hey, are we are we too late? And I did like this upcoming part here where um, they're wondering if all is lost, but then you see the team floating down from the sky very much like that first episode um, that we have Independence Day or fireworks where the Justice League members are coming down to see the destruction that the team had caused when they freed Superboy. is also mm-hmm. synonymous to that same scene where it's like Tim, Lagoon Boy, and I can't remember who was the third part of that team. They're all like in the water and all these like larger than life heroes are floating down from the sky to come and meet them. So now we have it where that scene is finally reversed and it feels like the title has kind of passed off like who are the true heroes of the world. Yeah, it's a it's a really beautiful visual co- callback that mm-hmm. brings it the series full circle again because they thought it was the end. Yeah. <laughs> so as they get the news about what happened, we see Artemis go home to Wally's parents and just with a glance, they break, pull her in for a hug, recognizing what happened. We find out the Reach is going to go on trial on that intergalactic trial, so I guess they better prepare their their reach soda bribes. <laughs> they do not have any more mores. <laughs> I, I know this for a fact. No one was <laughs> buying that reach soda. <laughs> that is discontinued faster than a four loco. <laughs> so we also get the news that the UN ambassador Sang, who had been on the reach's side this entire time, resigned in disgrace because he was one of their biggest champions. So he decides, I'm not going to do this anymore. But Lex Luthor sure will because he gets promoted, at which point Captain Adam goes, nah, nope, 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 <laughs> I ain't, no, I, here you go, Justice League, because I'm not dealing with that at all. And he's not the only one who steps back because in the wake of Wally's death, Nightwing says, hey, guys, I need a break. I'm not quitting. I'm not you know, I'm I'm not going to be gone forever, but I do need some time away from the team after all of this. And you understand, yeah, you know, he's probably feels guilt for splitting Wally and Artemis up. And this was the final result. And, they, you know, robbing them of some time together. So he takes a break, step back, as we now see what became of Impulse after the battle. So... We head on over to I I'm always I guess now it's actually in the watchtower because um, we head on over to where many of the statues or the holographic um, displays of the heroes who had fallen during battle. It now seems that we're in it's been moved from the Mount Justice because of the fact of this destruction to the watchtower. And we see that there's a larger than life statue of Kid Flash while impulse is dressed up as kid flash himself and you have a nice little moment in which um artemis comes up to him and asks like hey the uh the colors look good on you and impulse states but you know what i still feel like a fraud um because he doesn't feel like he's ever going to really 
step up to Wally's memory and tr truly honor that. So Artemis tells him that, like, hey, you have your doubts, but what you're doing is what he asked of you to do. And that's the best way you could ever honor somebody. And I know that he'd be proud. So it's nice to see that, like, you know, Impulse, who we kind of saw as just like, this might just be like a one-off character. But, you know, given the fact that he's stuck in the past and now he's a part of the legacy, it's nice that he just, it's nice to see that he went first Kid Flash before even making that leap to Flash. So I'm not, I'm happy to see that. And mm -hmm. Bart asked her about like, hey, I still see that you're in your Tigress costume. So are you staying as Tigress or are you going to go back to Artemis? To which Artemis says that like, hey, you know, um, Artemis was Wally's partner and she kind of needs a bit of distance from all of that. So yes, yeah, like, okay, but uh, are you still going to keep on doing what you're doing? And he's like, she said, yeah, but I'm going to go and be a hero, but as a blonde. <laughs> and nearby, apparently Tim and Cassie are <laughs> kissing. <laughs> okay. Uh, sure. <laughs> McGann uses this opportunity to point that out to Superboy. And she said, they looked together and they were like, time, time is short. So you might as well tell feelings for who you have feelings for. And before she can kiss Superboy, uh, the team is called into the watchtower to be sent on various missions. So the adventure is still continuing for them. Mm -hmm. And Virgil has now joined the team officially. He is the only one among the runways, runaways to do so. So Virgil is now going to be a member of the team. And they're going to need it because there is this one last stinger that <laughs> one last crazy Uno reverse in the middle of all of this. <laughs> Yes, so um, it I do like this parallel that they did too, so I just want to bring this up where once the team gets called in and Aqualad is sharing everybody on their missions and saying who's going to be in what squad, uh, Nightwing is looking off in the distance and just states, business as usual. Um, so the stinger leads directly into Vandal Savage taking a boom tube to this very red, almost like June 9th planet. Um <laughs> <laughs> and it's him on Apocalypse, where as he's walking through, we see the likes of Desaad from season one, as well as uh, G. Gordon Godfrey, who are on this thing. And down at the end of the, the walkway is Darkseid. As the two of them grasp arms like um, Carl Weathers and Arnold Schwarzenegger in, <laughs> in Predator. <laughs> And Vandals just states, business as usual. So that's it. That wraps up season two of Young Justice and Invasion. That is how, for a while, the show ended. So as we go and take a minute to just kind of collect our feelings because of what happened to Wally and also having to re-remember this whole <laughs> devastating <laughs> moment of here, hashtag heroes never die. We're going to leave you with a podcast that you from the Forgotten Entertainment family that you should be listening to the next time you're not listening to us. 
Hi, I'm Mike Phil. I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Generic Ad. Join us every Wednesday as we talk about films that seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film, maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own forgotten gem. Forgotten Cinema is available wherever you get your podcasts or at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. I swear I talk more in the episodes. All right. So um, we just wrapped up Young Justice Invasion season two. Um, we are we now know that many years that years ago, that many years later, we would get the <laughs> season three reveal. But with our last two episodes, of season two, how did you feel about this, Andrew? Which of these two episodes would you give the most whelmed award to? This one, it I going into it because of my memory, I thought it was going to be a harder choice, but I it they one made it easier for me because Summit I think reaches the summit of what this series is. Mm-hmm. It has fantastic twists, uh, extreme character payoffs, particularly for Calder and Artemis. They get some really great payoffs here of the journeys they've been going on all season, and them being able to turn the tide on the light and the reach even blue beetle capturing the ambassador too is a satisfying conclusion so i think because there were all these great payoffs in summit we got less so in endgame mm-hmm. endgame was full of a lot of great callbacks uh, to the series particularly visually but ultimately emotionally the blue beetle battle it's it's a great payoff but it still didn't have that the same punch as calder defeating his father um we don't kid flash it's great but we since we haven't gotten so much of him this season it's his death of course still hits but not as hard as it would have if he would have been more active this Mm, season mm -hmm. and there were just some random payoffs that i'm not sure anybody really needed uh suit they were, again, a little bit too much time with McGann and Connor's relationship here. I get why, but I feel like one scene could have worked for three that they had in here. <laughs> so those are those are my main gripes, just holding Endgame back from being completely flawless. And I'll address something else about Endgame in a new section after we hear what you thought. What was your most whelmed episode here? Yeah, I'm going to go with Summit also. I think that writing-wise, uh, it's wonderful. I think also the, just again, like it was just really cool to see so many moments in which it's just like, yeah, Black Manta versus Black Beetle. Those like conversations that they're having and really, it really helped to wrap up everything that we've been experiencing since that finale in season one of what's happening what's going on why were certain things done the way they were done so to kind of have this nice little bow added to this whole show it was i think that's what put it ahead for me end game um it was it was a great episode it was a lot but i think what ends up happening here is that it's just so much thrown in to about like 20 19 20 minutes of animation um because what you're doing is that you're seeing that they have to fight against the reach they have to uh 
get the heroes, the the ones that were on Rimbor during mm. the whole trial, they have to get them up to date about what's going on. And then those heroes have to immediately jump in to start saving the day and split off into these teams of trying to decide who's going to stop what, while at the same time, they've probably have never worked with some of these characters before. Like, we're seeing team-ups between Virgil and Ecstatic, as, as Virgil and, um, and Black Lightning. It's cool to see, but at the same time, you know they've never worked together, so <laughs> I don't know if it, it, it it's it's he does compliment the fact that he does know how to throw around the lightning, but at the same time it's just like it feels as if there should have been more mistakes happening there because Virgil has not done this level of superheroism. He's been mostly taking down Reach Sokola signs. This <laughs> is a whole you have to evade something firing at you at the same time as trying to attach a device so that you could save the day. I don't think it would have gone down as smoothly as we saw it. <laughs> no, yeah, we, I mean, it really does say something. Again, this is timing more than anything and the limits, the constraints of what they had to work with. Mm-hmm. But we don't get to see the moment where the other team finds out, where the other runaways find out what's going on. They retire right. off screen. I'm not even too sure if they helped. <laughs> in the they, they did. They were a part of, they do mention that Asami was a part of one squad. But again, like, yeah, I would kind of wish that we saw that moment. Yeah. And uh, to furthermore, with your Justice League point, storytelling wise, it it does make it seem like the Justice League was off planet. So they couldn't help with the final thing. And we got the result we got. But quite honestly, even if the Justice League had been there and you just wrote in, what, eight to ten more devices, the result mm-hmm. could have been exactly the same if they couldn't find one. Because I believe, mm-hmm. you know, you could say Superman missed it, too, you know, and flashes fast enough and maybe Superman. And maybe, you know, they were trying to avoid, like, Superman helping. But again, I think that's something you can fix on the, that the writer end instead of putting the heroes out of commission just conveniently long enough for them to miss the final battle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other thing about Summit as well that puts it over um, Endgame for me is that like it shows definitely just like it, it's the, it's the show that it's the episode that made me more on my put me more on the edge of my seat because as soon as we saw the whole Rachel Ghoul is noticing something is off about Tigris and he immediately snatches the necklace that in my mind is just like okay the everything's falling apart now we don't know what's going to happen next with, with Endgame, it does feel like a very linear story where it's just mm-hmm. like, I know exactly how it's going to play out. Mm-hmm. Wally's death, as shocking as it was when um, when I watched it the first time and even when I watched it again now, it uh, it did feel like something that um, could have happened. Like, I would, it, I could definitely put that on my bingo card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we needed a hero death. Yeah, <laughs> Summit just gave me more of the thrill of just like, I truly don't know what's going to happen next. So that's why Summit for me is the most whelmed episode. Yeah, because my big Arte alteration for this, Kill Impulse. Yo, I was actually just thinking <laughs> that. Because like, technically, Impulse doesn't do much to the timeline. Like, if he just gets taken out. 
No, yeah, Impulse was supposed Impulse didn't die in the future, but it was going to go that way because mm-hmm. Jack Blue Beetle ruled the future. So how fitting would it have been if and what a great twist to set up this whole episode. You're like, oh, you're going to take the mantle of Kid Flash. You're going to do all of this in the future. But instead, Impulse says, I'm not supposed to be here, bro. And mm-hmm. in fact, I'll come back. If you make the right choices, I will be back one day and you can teach me how to be Flash again. And how poetic that would have been to see him die. And that tragedy is what says Wally. He goes, you know what? I will pick up the mantle of Kid Flash again for Impulse. I will do it until he is ready. And that's what pushes him back into the hero game. That would have been a stronger conclusion and because we got far more time with Impulse this season, mm-hmm. would have hit harder for us instead of killing off Wally because ah, that happened in the comics, I guess, you know? Well, not Wally, exactly, but... They, they've they all... Yeah, it's actually... They've all, they've all at some point have died. We're yeah. not going to open up... We're not yeah. going to open up that can of worms of how many times Flashes have died throughout history. And I think Wally has actually died again in the comics recently. Oh, man, Wally. Come on, man. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I also think... like I would have loved if to see maybe if um during that moment in which she says, like, okay, you know what? I'm impulsive. It's like, I'm going to save Wally. Pushes realizes what's going on. Like, take a moment, maybe. It's just like, I know his name is Impulse, and it's just like he acts on, well, Impulse, um, <laughs> where he just like he does notice something is off with Wally and decides to push him out the way, takes majority of the hits. Or even if it's like something that I don't know if it actually did happen, where it's just like Wally, it's unsure how he died. I think, I think because of so much flash lore is my first instinct to think was just like, okay, he was running so fast that maybe he is now one with the speed force. Mm-hmm. Like, that's always what I assume of. And I, I blame the CW Flash for that. Uh, <laughs> but it would have been nice to see if it was just like, okay, maybe Impulse is noticing what's going on. And he's just like, I'm just, I'm just going to run faster so that it catches with my trail more than the rest of them or s- slow down more. So it like, so that I could take on most of the hits and actually die. Um, mm-hmm. You know, cause it's like, it's tough to see that. Like, again, you're right. Like Wally, we didn't spend any time with him. Meanwhile, impulse was like a big part of the storytelling. He's like, came back in time to help blue beetle came back to help Blue Beetle with the whole intervention episode. There's just so much that happens that he's like a big part of it. That was just like, I grew to appreciate him more. And I would have preferred, even if it was just like, um, what is it? Um, where Kid Flash maybe even just states like, uh, maybe this is a time for me to actually step away and truly step away. Like maybe it is like, Nightwing and Kid Flash are the ones to truly step away. And Kid Flash's reason is that like he's like, hey, I want to honor Kid. I want to honor Impulse's memory, and you know, just maybe it is that he is a hero, but like just for big things. But really, it's just like I'm just truly going to step away because what happened to Impulse shows me that like, hey, I have more to live for. Maybe it's Impulse like pushing him out the way. It's just like you have a lot to go for in your life, and mm-hmm. it's, he looks back at Artemis, and then. That's what happens. Yeah, because uh, the last thing I want to 
not to like beat the impulse point over head. But the <laughs> we are the, we, all this time we were talking about Lagoon Boy impulse yeah. is our main target, <laughs> and that's that's precisely the problem. At no point in this finale does anyone acknowledge that without impulse they would all be dead. Yeah, <laughs> the entire it, Flash would have died. So this crisis could have never been prevented. Mm-hmm. So there, it does seem there's a strange taking the their um eye off the ball with impulse at the end and kind of shortchanging his sacrifice and what he did to get here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, all in all that's I would switch um the flashes. But speaking of which, I would like to segue into a little section um that I call plot points they bring up in this episode that end up going absolutely nowhere in the future. <laughs> you may think and the reason I'm bringing this up now is because when we get around to covering these things, it's still not going to be fresh. You know, you might mm-hmm. remember us saying it, but while it's still fresh in our mind, I want to point out some things that go absolutely nowhere. Number one, the reveal of Vandal Savage on War World, that factor is not into the plot whatsoever after this point. Um, you know, to be honest, I even forgot that War World was a part of it after <laughs> <laughs> after watching <laughs> exactly and i know and i have a feeling this is because the creators wanted to keep baiting the series to go on longer by saying oh we're gonna pull out dark side one of these days and dangling dark side but ultimately because they waited so long and even later on there are multiple teases to dark side at the end of each season but it never <laughs> goes anywhere so again y'all waited too long so the war world thing goes nowhere in fact vandal savage ends up back on earth anyway so it doesn't even matter um so that goes nowhere the reveal that g godfrey was in on the light that goes absolutely nowhere (laughs) in in fact it just makes things a lot more confusing (laughs) when you try to go back and trace the character's evolution um most importantly thing that goes nowhere kid flashes death And yes, it informs the series and characters make certain decisions based on it. But they introduce several plot points that suggest that Kid Flash isn't actually dead. Um, and oh, it, yeah. <laughs> multiple, we'll get into it later. But at multiple points in the series, it's implied that Kid Flash did not actually die in this crisis. But again... Because they got a, the writers got a little greedy with teasing things out and trying to entice people to keep coming back in, we never get a follow up to answer. We don't even know if Kid Flash is dead for real. <laughs> so those are the main plot points that I could think of that go absolutely nowhere after this finale. I have like I have like one or two that just popped up in my oh, mind yeah. as well. Um, one of which is just like. All those kids that were, um, well, no, no, actually, that comes up in season three. I was gonna talk about like all the kids that were like taken off into by the oh. reach and whatnot. Do they develop powers? Do they do they show up? Because like some some do, but there are a lot. Like, is there any therapy for these kids after the fact? Broadly, well, I think they do tackle specific people taken by the reach but i don't Mm -hmm. think they tackle anybody else because there were other kids taken in this batch and they never touched that at all yeah there's a (laughs) lot of there's a lot of lone kids out there 
Yeah. Another one I have is just like how how much of these gods actually play in? Because I'm thinking about the fact that we had Isis pop up. Like, are hmm. are there more mythical gods out there in the world that we should know about that also might still have a fa- play a factor in some of these heroes or something? Because I guess Wonder Woman's existence implies that there mm-hmm. are gods as well. But yeah, we don't get an episode with Zeus <laughs> this entire time. <laughs> All right. But, you know, I think your, your points are better. I, I think that, like, <laughs> Put there's, <your> spot. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> there's no there's no arguing about it because, again, I do agree that um, there have been many points. And that, I think that's probably what why I kept feeling more so that Wally was sent into the Speed Force because mm-hmm. it just feels like that's something that in comics he's come back from. And again, they just never bring it up. Same thing with Darkseid. He gets thrown around so... And it, I unfortunately, I think it's probably because of Young Justice that this happens, is that Darkseid is always seen as the biggest, baddest of all the DC universe now. Like, mm-hmm. there are other people who are worse. I mean... Titans didn't do a great job with Trigon, but the DCAU did a great job with like putting up Trigon as a big bad villain. Yep. Um, but yeah, to like constantly tease Darkseid, I think was led to us being like, it's gotta be Darkseid or nothing. And I need to know exactly where the war world is parked. You're right. Like there is is this is it still close to Earth? Is it near Rimbor? Where did is they, did they boot it because he didn't pay the insurance? <laughs> <laughs> We'll never know. <laughs> um, so with that, we're just gonna leave you just the same way that Young Justice left us with asking more questions before <laughs> we return in what was it now, like almost eight years? But we'll actually be kind to you and give you one week. Yeah, we, we, we'll take a little bit of a gap, and unless something really bad happens, we're not gonna get suddenly canceled in between this season and next. <laughs> All right, well, until our next season premieres, no matter how long it may be, (laughs) take care of yourselves and remember that um, if you're going, if you realize that there's a device out there in the world that may destroy the magnetic field of Earth or whatnot, make sure to count it right. Just, you know, sometimes there's 20, sometimes it's 21. It's better to be exact than an estimate. And if your buddy from the future says, hey, would you mind sacrificing yourself? Remind them that they'll exist in the future. So you want to do it? (laughs) Good point. (laughs) Hey, before we go for this episode, we we forgot this episode takes place on July 4th. (laughs) (laughs) We started it all on Independence Day and we're ending it all on Independence Day. (laughs) So go out, have a barbecue. Don't share a can of Reach with your neighbor. Maybe a cold lemonade or a refreshing glass of War World juice. And unlike our heroes, um, you may be compelled to go into a building and try to save a friend. If that building is run by law enforcement, don't do that. Don't don't destroy the building. Um, Superboy can make it out July 5th. It is okay. <laughs> don't, and, you know, stay away from those fireworks. Let the professionals handle it. Like Malcolm. Malcolm's all over it. Call Guardian. He'll take care of it. He's fireproof, I think. It'll be fine. Yeah, don't call your local Martian to help with the fireworks, please. Don't do not do that. Yeah, <laughs> leave McCann out of this. <laughs> Happy 4th of July. Burr, burr, burr.
Thanks again for listening. Yet another DC animated podcast is a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. If you liked what you heard, leave a review and share us with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts and on social media at YADC Animated Pod. Thank you.